0: That's what Kurt said. These aren't for you. These are, for, these are, and, and and this isn't this isn't also a tool where you just go up to someone, kind of cold turkey, and go, "Hey, here, all right, cool," um, and then walk away. Um, this is the follow up piece after you've made the personal invitation. Then this is just informational. This isn't the invitation. You are right that people invite people to Jesus. Right? Not not paperwork. But it's nice to have the details of what's going on. We're looking forward to a good time. Well, it's good to be home. Megan and I got to be away for a few days. Some of you were following some of our our trip on Facebook. Um, Kurt had mentioned last week, uh, Megan and I have been planning a trip to London. Uh, for really a couple of years now. And so we had set the, kind of this time aside. Before even new community came into the picture. And then we were like, do we go? Don't we go? And we really felt like, no, we need this time. And it was a great time away. It was just cold. It was really cold in the, this time of the year in, in England. But uh, we had a great time. It's, and it's good to be back with you this morning. I want to give you a quick update. Um, I would mentioned uh, last Sunday here on Vision Sunday that I would be meeting with the principal of Stellar's Elementary School. And him and I, his name is Stephen Bishop, him and I met this last Friday uh, here at the school and had a great conversation. I want to just tell you, uh, he is excited about the potential and the opportunity of our church partnering uh, to a further degree with this school. And and for us as a church to have a greater impact in blessing this school, I I told him exactly what I told you. I, I said I would say it was... Whatever we can do to serve the school, we want to be available. And he just had a huge grin on his face. And then I took it the next step and I said, of course we want to start by doing this. Is we want to pray for you and for the teachers. Now, uh, Principal Bishop is a believer, which is great because I was able to just speak pr- plainly and, and freely about our heart to bless. But when I, when I told him we want to be praying for the, the teachers and the administration here... Um, I could tell that it, it had an impact on him. Um, and he just simply said, we need it. We need the prayer. And so I'm actually preaching on prayer this morning. And so it, it dovetails really well. But we're getting ready, church. We're getting ready to bless the socks off of the school. The teachers, the students, the staff. Uh, this, this campus houses the district offices. Um, so Glendora Unified School District they're based right in fact this building right next door is their offices and so we're going to engage in a, in a prayer uh, effort as a church in praying for the school and praying for the students and then Stay tuned, because coming up very shortly, we're going to have more opportunities. There'll be work days, things that we can do around the the campus uh, to to help with painting and doing projects. He's going to be in contact with me shortly about some of what those opportunities will be. And and so we're just going to keep praying that the Lord opens those doors. Amen? I'm excited about that. It's going to be really neat. It was just a great conversation. Well, we're kicking off a new series this morning, a series entitled Tools for the Journey. Tools for the journey. I had mentioned uh, a while back, we started out this this year talking about our story, that we each have a story that's brought us to this place. Uh, we talked about the kingdom, uh, the kingdom way, the way that the, uh, God's kingdom works and, and, and how it's not the way that we always see uh, things going in our lives, uh, and that we're part of a monarchy, that we have a king and he is a good king, that we're not a part of a democracy, that, that God's kingdom... There is a king and there is a way that he does things, uh, especially in accordance to his word, that really aren't negotiable. Um, But when we align ourselves with his word and the way that God does things in his kingdom, that there's blessing, that there's life, uh, that, that things happen, there's transformation that takes place, and that, the, that God's desire is that we be transformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8 was the, the basis of that, where, where Paul writes those words, that we would be conformed to the image of Jesus. And so we talked about the fact that that is a journey it's not, a, it's not a one-off thing. It doesn't just happen instantly. But that we are going from glory to glory, as Philippians says. That we are being changed and transformed as we become more like Jesus. And so we're jumping into this new series, Tools for the Journey. Uh, we're a road trip family. We love road trips. We love traveling. We love loading up the car uh, and driving cross-country. I think our most mem- memorable road trip, though was when we left Alaska, we packed up our excursion in and, and a U-Haul trailer and we pulled out of Anchorage January 5th, 2010. Now, it's important to note that it was January because in Alaska, it's a little cold in January. Um, and, and the amazing thing about Alaska, I had a friend that had flown to Seattle and he, he called me up and he says, hey, listen, I'm in Seattle. How, like, how much further is it to, to see you in Anchorage? And I, and I just, I'm like, it's 3,000 miles. It's, it's further away than from what LA is to Seattle. It's twice the distance than to Anchorage. And so, when you think about driving out of Alaska, literally, our first day driving, we actually had to drive north our first day up to a town called Tok before we could start the downward trek down through Canada um, towards Seattle. Um, five days. Five straight days of driving just through Canada. It took us six days to get to Seattle from Anchorage. Mammoth road trip. Mammoth road trip. It was incredible. Uh, Temperature hovered around 12, 13 degrees. Got all the way up to about 19 at some point. Um, And and there was one stretch of road. We went for over an hour where we didn't see another car in either direction. Um, It's pretty amazing. So as you can imagine, here I am a husband and a father loading my kids up and my wife up in the car, there were th- some things that I did to prepare for that journey. There were some, some precautions I took to make sure that we would be safe as a family. There were tools that I put in the car. I had uh, tire chains um, just in case I needed those, made sure that the four-wheel drive on my truck was working, made sure that we had em- uh, emergency blankets, that we had uh, extra water in the car, made sure that we had batteries, that, that all of these things, these tools that we needed to have a safe journey were there. I went through the car made sure everything was working because I wanted to make it see- to Seattle alive. And, uh, and I'll tell you, there were some scary parts of that drive uh, it's, it was amazing. It was a once in a lifetime, literally. I will never do that again in the winter, but I'm glad that we did it. When you're heading out on a journey, you want to make sure you're prepared that you have what you need to get you to your destination because you don't want to set out on a journey and get halfway there and realize, well, I didn't put enough fuel in the tank or I don't have the tools that I need. If I'm, if I'm going hiking or if I'm going cross-country skiing or whatever the case would be, I want to have the right tools to make sure that I make it to the end of our journey. When the same way God has given us tools for this journey from coming a becoming a believer, giving our lives to Christ, and being transformed into the image of Jesus, that there is a process, there's a journey, there's a road that we walk, and He doesn't just kind of throw us out there and go, "Okay, good luck. Hope it goes well." No, He says, "Listen, I'm going to give you everything you need." I'm going to give you the tools that you need in order to be successful, that things would go well. And so we're going to take the next few weeks, um, today and next Sunday, and then, of course, Easter, uh, we will, we'll take a break from the series, but then we'll have three more after that. But we're going to look at five tools that I believe God gives us in order to, to walk this journey. And, the, and, and you have to remember, the tools are for us. The tools that God is giving us, it, it's, it's, it's not so, so it makes him look good. It's so that we can win, so that we can succeed, so that we can draw closer to him and really experience victory. Anyone want victory in their lives? Some of you. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to assume the rest of you are taking notes voraciously, and that's why you didn't raise your hand. We all want to experience victory. And uh, and we want to we to press through. So this morning we're kicking it off with prayer. Prayer, prayer is an essential tool in your tool belt or in your toolkit when it comes to your relationship with God. I, I would propose that you cannot do this walk with Jesus if you don't pray. It just becomes an impossibility. You will struggle. You will fight. You will fall, and it will be difficult. But Jesus. And God the Father gives us prayer as a tool. I've mentioned this before. I'm a tool guy. I have a ton of tools in my garage. And um, a lot of the tools, my wife will go, well, why do you have that? Why do you even need that? Well, I don't need it all the time. But when I need that tool for that specific job, I'm glad that I have it, right? Because a hammer is not the only tool you need. It doesn't fix everything. There are certain tools that you need for certain jobs. And so prayer accomplishes something very specific in our lives. That God has tailored it, that he's designed it to accomplish and bring breakthrough and do things in our lives that cannot be accomplished any other way. Prayer is simply this though. Because I I think one of the the problems is that we we can blow it and make it such a huge thing that that we feel like uh, I'm disqualified to even approach God in prayer. Prayer is simply this. Prayer is a conversation with God. It's just simply you and God in communion, in in conversation. It's both very personal and very practical. As I grew up in church, and, and I remember hearing about the spiritual disciplines. You need to have your spiritual disciplines. You need to have your, your quiet time every day, and you need to be in prayer. You need to make sure you're in the, in the Word. And I remember as a kid, I felt like some of those things were more of a burden than a blessing. Anyone else? Anyone else just ever feel like, man, it was just like, you better if you're not praying. And I'm like, Oh, gosh. I better, oh, I didn't pray today. Prayer is incredibly personal. It's just God saying, it's that I'm running to your arms. And God's saying, yes, I'm so glad to see you. I just want to hear. One of the things that Megan is so good at in our home is every day our kids come home and she'll ask them this question every single day. Tell me one good thing that happened today, right? Rather than how was your day? Because what's the answer to that? fine. Tell me one good thing that happened today. My kids are like, oh, come on, mom. Right? Am I right, Blake? Every single day. (laughs) Why? Because we want to engage in conversation. I want to know what's going on in your life. So imagine God the Father just saying, tell me one good thing that's going on in your life today. Tell me about something that you're struggling with come and converse with me because I just want, to, I want you to know me and I want to know you and I want us to be so close. And so it's personal and practical and it's not just a discipline. It is and it isn't. It's not a discipline in that we shouldn't feel that pinch to go, oh, I better pray or God's not going to be. There is a discipline in praying and the amazing thing about prayer is the more you pray... The more you want to pray, and and the more you want to pray, I've never talked to anyone in my life who's like, you know what, I've just I'm prayed up, I've had enough prayer. You know, you talk to someone who spends hours in prayer, and it just creates a hunger and an appetite for more. Why? Because who wouldn't want to be in the presence of God more? That's what we're going to do for eternity, and so in prayer, it's that place where we get to converse with Him. And draw close to Him. When we were in England this last week, one of the things that we got to do is visit some really cool old churches. In fact, two in particular, Westminster Abbey in London. And then um, we went to uh, Westminster Cathedral in the, in the city of Westminster. And then there was one more, and I'm forgetting the name of the town. But I am um, beautiful, Oh, these cathedrals. You're standing in Westminster Abbey and you realize you're in a building that's almost a thousand years old. That the word of God has been preached in this place for almost a thousand years. That's like three and a half times longer than our country has existed. And in both places, uh, the other was the Salisbury Cathedral. Beautiful we're doing the tours of these, uh, of these churches, and as we're walking through it, both places at Westminster and in Salisbury, uh, one of the, the members of the clergy stopped everyone, got on a, uh, on a microphone, and said, If you could just pause right where you are for prayer. And they started praying. Now, it was very obvious they were reading a prayer out of a book of prayer. And so my heart kind of broke a little bit because I thought, Well, I know for me, my, my relationship with God is I want to I wanna just have a conversation. I just I don't gotta go to God and read out of a book and say, oh, Heavenly Father, I, I want to have a conversation. And yet at the same time, Bible says, the Bible tells us that the Word of God doesn't return void, right? Standing in Westminster Abbey, we're st- we were in the, the back part of, of the church, and so we're surrounded by um, these memorials and, and the, the, the graves of kings and queens, who lived hundreds of years ago and, and the sound comes over and you know the, the, the clergy member says let's pray and so we just stopped and holding Megan's hand in that place and I tell you the, the power of the presence of God in that moment was just so overwhelming even in a place where for all intents and purposes people are spiritually not alive that this, this church is more of a tourist attraction than it is a place of worship anymore. And yet, even in that place, as a prayer was recited, that the power of God was present, the presence of God was palpable, was incredible. I was just reminded about the fact that prayer will always, always, always bring a powerful impact. It will always bring about transformation. It will always speak. It will always invite that presence. Not because God's presence somehow goes somewhere else, but because it's when we stop and we turn our focus to Him, we fix our gaze on Him, we enter into that that place where it's like, Lord, I'm gazing on your face, that He is just able to download something into our spirit and into our life that's transforming Have you experienced that? In the midst, it doesn't matter where you are, whether it's a cathedral or an airport or a field or a classroom, that when you stop and you turn your gaze to the Lord in prayer, He meets you there. He just meets you there. Prayer is powerful. It's not just a discipline in the same way that I don't regard conversation with Megan a discipline, right? That would not, we would need counseling. If I told Megan, listen, I have to develop the discipline of having a conversation with you, right? She's not going to be happy with me. Why? Because I love her and she loves me. And we want to be with each other and have conversation. And sometimes we talk. And sometimes one of us talks and one of us listens. And sometimes we just sit quietly. But we're with each other, we're, we're together, and, and in the same way, God says, I just want to be with you, and sometimes you, you can talk to me, and sometimes I'll talk to you, and sometimes, let's just listen, let's just soak and be in the presence of God. And so prayer starts, there's these layers that start unfolding of what prayer is, and how we can engage God. For some people, the idea of going up in the mountains, hiking up a mountain trail, sitting under a tree, watching a waterfall, that is for them experiencing the presence of God and the idea of prayer, that is where I want to be, right? For some people, it's like I've got to be in the midst of a a, a, a bunch of people, there's got to be other people around, and so we're all wired differently, but at the the end of the day, it's about this personal connect, one-on-one with the God of the universe, so, why pray? Doesn't God already know my thoughts? Right? I mean, doesn't God already know what I need? Why do I have to say it out loud? God is all knowing, He knows everything. Why pray? Why pray? Well, because prayer does something for us, it turns our attention to Him, it focuses us to Him. I could just go through my whole life going, Well, God knows, God knows, God knows. But as a father, I know that that when my children have need, there's something about when they come to me and approach me and say, Dad, hey, listen, there's this thing that I would like. And we get to talk about it, and I get to bless them, that there's relationship in that. And so that's where prayer becomes so important. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. And uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew 26 as well. So, Philippians 4 and Matthew 26. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This passage in Philippians is is a great jumping off point in a prayer conversation. Because it kind of paints a broad picture of how we come to the Lord, how there's things that are going on in our lives. We live in a broken world. We deal with things that aren't going well. And and that's talking about us as believers, for those who are Christ followers. That things don't always go as expected. Am I right? Sometimes life is just tough. But Paul says here, don't be anxious about anything. Rather, with prayer and petition, come to the Father. The idea is that God is ready to, to receive us, that he wants us to cry out to him, that we need him. And he knows that we need him, but he needs us to recognize that we need him. To back up to, to even uh, the beginning of this whole journey in Romans chapter 8, that, that God is more committed to our transformation than we are. Remember that? That God is more committed to our transformation than we are. And that there are times when we're walking through things that God just needs us to recognize that we need him because it transforms our hearts. He knows we need him. But when we reach out to him, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, every situation, I love that Paul starts out there, rejoice in the Lord. Always, I will say it again, rejoice. No matter what the circumstance, doesn't matter what's going on. You know, so often we find that there are these hindrances to prayer. Some people would say, well, I just don't know how. How do I pray? What if I do it wrong? Anyone ever thought that? Like, I hope I don't pray the wrong thing, right? Like, I, I know, again, I'll reference my relationship with my kids a lot because I think this is the, the place where we see the biggest, the, the clearest picture of what God's heart is in this. As my kids are growing, especially when they were young, like, they're learning to speak and words are coming out. I didn't care that the grammar was wrong. I'm like, you're two, three years old. I'm just glad that there's words coming out of your mouth right now at 16 and 17 it's a different story i'm gonna care about the words i'm gonna but it's that idea like ah, i'm just rejoicing i'm just glad god doesn't care if you say it right there's you don't need a prescribed prayer book to say i'm gonna say this correctly what about this you ever gone to prayer and you just run out of things to say and then you feel guilty because you know there's more you should be praying about, but you can't remember what they are. Come on, anyone else? And you're just like, oh, all right. Okay, Lord, okay, I've got to pray. Okay, there's always like the starving children. I always have to, I can go there. They're sick, right? And your, your mind is just going, and you're like, Lord, but maybe the times where you pray and you really don't feel anything, and you get discouraged, like, Lord, I went to prayer, and there was that one time that I prayed, and I was like, oh, this is incredible and then there's this other time I'm praying and I'm just praying and it's like nothing's happening am I doing it wrong and we start doubting and I believe that the enemy wants to come against us and say no 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 no." you know you're talking to the God of the universe here you better do it right and God's going I'm your Abba Father just talk to me we have to push through those things and recognize even as Paul says in all circumstances pray 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 just just turn your attention to the Lord, whether it's driving in the car. I love praying in the car. Lord, pray for that guy. I pray, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I love praying. It's one of the times that I enjoy. For some people, it's under the tree. For me, if I'm driving down a beautiful road, that for me is like, it's a great time to be in the presence of the Lord. So there's three things I want to point out as it, as, as it relates to prayer in our lives. Understanding this, that there is no possible way that I can cover all of the aspects of prayer in one Sunday morning. I mean, volumes and volumes have been written on prayer. And that there are layers to prayer that, that we could do a year of sermons and still not plumb the depths. So, so my desire this morning is to maybe spark something in your heart of, of a desire to pray more. Or maybe if it's not a part of your life right now, maybe if some of those hindrances are there and those walls are there, maybe you grew up in an in in expression of, of religion where you didn't pray, other people prayed and you told them what to pray. That, that something would be sparked in you this morning that would say, I can pray, I can go boldly before the throne of the Lord. So there's three points I want to make. First is this, that prayer aligns us to God's will. Why pray? Because prayer aligns us to God's will. I need that because I know there are times where I'm not doing the things that God's called me to do. I just know it, and I think you know it as well. It's like we don't, we don't have to have special revelation for that. Those times where we just start making knucklehead choices and doing things in our lives where God's going, whoa, 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 that's not what I have for you. See, but when I pray... I align myself to him. I turn my attention to him. I have a picture I want to throw up here real quick. What is that? A compass. And where does it point? North. We all know that. I did a little research. Came to find out. Didn't know this. I was like, I wonder who the person was that invented the compass. Well, it turns out it was invented in the Han Dynasty in China about a thousand years before Jesus was born. Um, initially was not used for navigation, but it was actually used kind of for Feng Shui and all of that and getting everything aligned in your house and more for kind of horoscope stuff. But then they discovered that they could use this for navigation. And so there's just been this this ev- evolution of the compass through, through uh, the, the centuries. Um, the earliest records of it actually being used for, the, for navigation being in the 11th and 12th centuries. And the idea was that the compass made its way through the Silk Road into the Middle East, down into Africa, and then up into Europe. Well, someone discovered, someone figured out that if you magnetize a needle, it's always going to point the same direction. I think that's pretty awesome. It's pretty amazing that, that someone figured that out. And it's still an instrument that is used today. With all of our GPS and everything, every aircraft, every boat is still going to have a compass. Every Boy Scout is still taught orienteering and still gets a compass. Anyone who's in the military, right? Anyone uh, served in the armed services at all, right? Did you, you get trained on how to use a compass, right? Because you got to figure out where you are and how, where you need to be. And so a compass is, is a great tool for doing that. It gets you aligned or gets you in the place where, where you know you're walking in the right direction. Because if you go hiking and you're walking for days in the wrong direction, you're going to be in serious trouble. And so just like a compass is a tool that helps to align you to get your bearings, prayer becomes this place where we align ourselves with God. Because God doesn't change, right? Right? Hebrews 13 8 Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever and while the things in our lives might, might change my, my living situation my work situation my finances all of this this these things can be in constant upheaval and change the one thing that doesn't change is Jesus Christ and so when I pray I'm coming back to the the rock solid thing in my life saying okay how do the things in my life align with who God is and what he's called me to. Jesus himself did this. In Luke five sixteen it says that Jesus withdrew often to lonely places and prayed to align himself with the Father. That Jesus says that he only ever did what the Father told him to do. Why? Because he was aligned, that he got himself into that place. Matthew 26, starting in verse 39, says this, going a little further, He fell with his face to the ground and prayed, "'My Father, this is Jesus, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will.' Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. "'Could you not watch with me for one hour?' he asked Peter. "'Watch and pray, why? So that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak.' Amen? I mean, there's times where you're like, well, oh, I know what I need to do and I know what I want to do, but for some reason I'm not doing those things. Paul echoes that. Why do I not do the things I'm supposed to do? I don't, the things I'm supposed to do, I don't do, and the things I'm not supposed to do, I do do them. And you're like, whoa, okay, yeah, I feel like Paul in that. Jesus saying to the disciples here, the spirit is, is willing, but the flesh is weak and he went away for a second time and prayed, My father, it is, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. This is Jesus facing the cross, knowing that in the next few days his life would be taken and that he would experience the most agonizing, agonizing death a person could experience. And he goes to the garden. He goes to prayer to say, God, not my will be done, but your will be done. Jesus needed the Father to remind him. He needed to be reminded of, listen, there is no other way. It's important to note that Jesus still went to the cross. And so how often we pray and say, Lord, I want your will to be known in my life. And then we experience hardship and you go, well, this can't be God's will. But that God will allow us to walk through things in our lives that are not easy. Paul later says, you know what? It produces something in you. But Man, when I'm in the storm, I just want to get out of the storm. And the shortest route out of the storm, right? And there's times where you may go to prayer in the midst of a storm and God says, I need you to persevere through the storm because there's something on the other end that I need you to accomplish. If I don't know that, if I don't have that rock, that anchor, that place to hang on to, I'm going to be swept back and forth. But in prayer, I'm reminded. It's in prayer that I align my will to God and say, God, what do you have for my life? What are the things that you want to do? So that the distractions of this world, the cares of this world, the things that would want to rob the word of God from our hearts, that those things are pushed aside and all I see and all I know is God saying, this is the way that I have for you. Now walk in it. Why do we need to pray continually? Because the enemy is going to be buffeting us continually. And so if the enemy is against me all the time, I better be coming to Jesus all the time saying, okay, I need your strength in this. And if you can deliver me, deliver me, But if you need me to walk through this, then give me the strength to walk through. And we align ourselves with him, and that's powerful. Why? Because at the end of the day, we look more like Jesus. We're transformed more into the image of Jesus Christ. Second thing is this. Prayer gives us an opportunity to say thank you. It gives us an opportunity to say thank you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How often do you say thank you? How often do you come to the Lord and just thank him for who he is? Praise him for what he's done in your life. There's something about saying thank you not just what it does for the other person, but what it does for you. Having a grateful heart, it builds us up. It builds character in us. And I'll tell you, it's so important in the world that we live in, in the culture that we live in, That is so about it. for me, for me, for me, for me. It's all about what I can get and what I need. And so often that, that there's not any thankfulness in the midst of that and God would say be thankful that when I come to the Lord and I thank him daily Lord thank you And I'm, I, guys I'm talking more about not just about praying before your meal right because for so many pl- homes in America that's the only place that prayer ever happens and then it's just recited and not the sub- I mean at least there's some prayer right but God, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for what you're doing. Because it, it, again, it refocuses, on me, on, it refocuses me on who my source is. I am not my source. He is my source. And so it's in thanksgiving that my attention is turned back to him. And I remember he is the source of all things in my life. And the third thing is this. Prayer brings breakthrough. Prayer brings breakthrough. James chapter 5, verse 13 through 18. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That's you. That your prayer is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. That your prayer is powerful and effective. Say, My prayer is powerful and effective. Say, Powerful. Now say it with power. Powerful. Powerful. Effective. That's truth. That's not a suggestion. That's not a maybe. That is truth from the word of God about who you are. That your prayer is powerful and effective. Let me ask you a question. Do you pray like your prayer is powerful and effective? Jesus said that anything you ask in his name, in faith, will be done. Anything. Let me ask you this. I journaled this in my, my, my uh, journal just a few weeks ago. The passage out of Matthew, what am I not asking for that I should be asking for? What am I not asking for because I don't believe it can be done, or I think it's too big? See, then I have to go back to point number one and align myself and remind myself that God can do all things. Therefore, I can come to him in prayer, and whatever I ask in faith, he says, I will do it because my prayer is powerful and effective. Your prayer is powerful and effective. Prayer brings breakthrough. We pray prayers of supplication. Supplication is simply this, going to God and saying, Lord, there's something I need you to do. Can I just tell you God's okay with that? Don't ever feel guilty about going to God and saying, God, I have a need. I think there's kind of this, this reaction to the, other, the opposite extreme in our culture. It says, well, no, that's all we ever do. We're ever asking of God. God's okay with it. He's just saying it's not the only prayer to pray. But when you have need, is anyone in need or anyone in trouble? Yeah. Well, ask him. Just ask. Prayers of intercession... Intercessory prayer is powerful. That's where I'm praying for you. I know there's need in your life. There's something going on. And so now I'm interceding. I'm standing in the gap on your behalf saying, Father, there's a, there's a need for my brother or sister. And I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to invite Andrew to come up. He had shared a story with me about uh, when he was young and his family were missionaries in Africa. And I asked him this morning if he would share that story real quick. Test one, two. There we
1: go. We were traveling in Central Africa, Uh, back to our. Ain't really though. Hello, one, two, three. Yeah. All right. Noah. All right, so we were in, in Africa, obviously. We were traveling back home from uh, I don't know where. Uh, we were flying over what, what they used to call the broccoli. It's a six hour flight over the jungle. You're in a little Cessna plane. There's uh, my, my parents, myself, and my brother and sister, and the pilot. And there was one empty seat that or it, we filled the plane. It was a tiny plane. We're, we're flying over the broccoli, and we're an hour and a half from our destination. And there's, the reason they call it Broccoli is because all you see is the top of the trees and there's nowhere to ditch. If something goes wrong with the plane, while you're over the trees, you're going to crash into these ancient trees that got originally put there um, that have not been cut down. Um, and so we're flying along. And the pilot gets my dad's attention gestures to the, the, uh, the gauge that shows the fuel, and, and my dad sees it go all the way down. And then the pilot gestures to the other one, and it's, it, it depletes as well. And, and, and then he points up at the, at the, uh, the windshield, and he, he yells at my dad, that's not rain, that's our fuel. All the fuel of the plane was spraying on the engine and um, depleted. It was the plane was empty. So we start praying. <laughs> Lord help us, oh my god. And we get there and and my dad and, and Ernie get out and they, they, they look he's the pilot. They, they get out and they, they look at the engine and it's it's soaked. The whole engine is soaked with, with aviation fuel. Um, And and so we, you know, before every flight, we would pray for safety, and at the end of the flight, you're on your way, right? Well, that day, we we thank God for for helping us, for keeping us safe. A year later, we're back in the States, and um, itinerating, we're at a little church, in some flyover state, you know, we did the, the six weeks of driving, hitting all the churches, and trying to raise support. This little lady comes up to my dad, and she says, Pastor... A year ago, on this date, at this time, I woke up in the middle of the night. I woke up in the middle of the night, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me rest. I had to pray for you for an hour and a half. (laughs) The Holy Spirit wouldn't let me stop praying. And I, I interceded for you for an hour and a half on this date. And my dad... My dad's thinking about it, and they're 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 talking about it a little bit, and he says, "That was our that was the day we came back from Nairobi. That was the day, our plane." <laughs> okay, okay, I'm crying. Well, I don't know why. Um, Carol c- told me this was going to happen. Um, I was like, "I'm talking about an airplane. Why am I going to cry?" Um, but but at the same time that we were in that plane, the Holy Spirit woke her up, had her intercede for us. And she carried us
0: to our destination. Amen. Thank you. Can we give the Lord praise for that? The the prayer of a righteous old lady is powerful enough to keep an aircraft in the air without fuel for an hour and a half. Intercession. That when we pray for others, Something happens. That when God wakes you up in the middle of the night to pray for someone, it's not bad pizza. <laughs> that the Holy Spirit will prompt us. Why? Because our prayer is powerful and effective. And so when we say to someone, hey, I'll be praying for you, can I just challenge you? You better pray. <laughs> because that, that's not a, a promise to be taken lightly. That when we commit to pray, it's important that we pray. Because our prayer can bring about breakthrough in someone else's life. We pray prayers of faith. Prayers believing for things that are not possible to happen. Excuse me. To happen. And God says, I will make it happen. Why? Because the saints are praying and I will create way. Ephesians 6 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and powers. And principalities and powers are not defeated by my physical muscle. It's when I get on my knees and I pray that breakthrough comes. Well, does God need you to pray? Well, he's all powerful. He could do it. It does something in us. Was your faith just built by hearing that testimony? Absolutely. And remember, go all the way back. Romans chapter 12. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And when I pray and stuff happens and it becomes a part of my testimony, your faith is built. And then the next person's faith is built and it keeps going and going and it spreads. Jesus had an empowerful, a powerful and impactful ministry as he performed signs and wonders in alignment with the Father and through the work that he did, other people came to know him. As you walk out your prayer life, believing for breakthrough in your life and in the lives of others, praying for our community. When I say we're going to pray for Sellers Elementary School, I'm believing that God is going to lay things on your heart, specific things to pray for that need to be lifted in prayer because there is breakthrough that's needed in families and in lives, in this place, in this school. And that we have the power and effect to bring about that breakthrough. But if we're not praying, right? It's not happening. I believe that God would say, I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out to pray. Prayers for healing. This church has an amazing testimony of healing prayer people being prayed for. And, and if you've been healed at any point, if you've been prayed for in this church and being healed, would you just raise your hand? Look at that. That's awesome. That's the power of God being expressed through the lives of people. Every Sunday at the end of the message, I invite the prayer team to come forward. And I just tell you right now, our prayer team doesn't come up here and just stand up front. It's just an exercise this isn't routine. This is the power of God. When, when you have a need in your life and you come up front and one of our prayer team members pr- lays hands on you and prays for you that there is power. We believe that the power of God is released in that moment. There's something powerful. When my faith is lacking and I'm struggling and I come stand with someone, someone else and they with their faith get to pray with me, it builds me up. It brings breakthrough. I want to encourage you. On Sunday morning, you arrive on Sunday, be, look for, be looking forward to being up here. Trust that God will meet you in the word and in the message and in the worship. But make your way up here. If there's anything, and can I just tell you, there's no small prayer requests. There's no, if this thought ever enters your mind, well, that's just nothing. That's, that's okay. There's other people that have more important and pressing things. Stop it. Because it matters to God. It matters to us. Right, prayer team? It matters. If in the midst of the message, God starts stirring your heart or convicting you and you're like, oh man, that word was for me, come up and pray with someone. Why? Because there's some accountability there we can follow up and say, hey, how are you doing? One of the things that really breaks my heart in so many churches is that people come, listen, get up, and walk out the door, and there's no other point of engagement with God's Word. Talk to someone. And it doesn't have to be up front. We are praying church. Pray with someone around you. But let's be a church that prays for each other. Make, make the most of that opportunity to pray. There's so much more, and we're out of time. Prayer is a critical tool in the life of the believer. It's not the only tool, but I start here because there has to be a conversation with God. There has to be a time where you're spending with Him each day just talking to Him, just talking to Him, and I can't do it for you. I can pray for you, but your prayer life and your prayer relationship with the Lord can only be developed by you, right? When I, when I met Megan, I had to develop a relationship with her. No one else could do that for me. That's just weird, right? It's just weird. It had to be one-on-one. God's waiting. He's longing to have that conversation we stand together? Ephesians 6, 18, and pray in the Spirit on all, kinds of, on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the, for the Lord's people. Pray for each other. Pray for each other. Pray for our community. We've got Easter coming, two weeks. Pray for the people who are coming who don't yet know the Lord. You don't know their names, but God does. Be praying for them. Let's be a a community of faith that engages in prayer in our personal lives daily. Father, thank you. Thank you that prayer is just simply a conversation with you. Lord, it's time to, to meet with you, to bask in your presence. Lord, to be reminded of who you are and how much you love us. Lord, I pray this morning that you would stir our hearts to not settle or be satisfied. God, that prayer leads to more prayer, that you would cause us to be a people of prayer who desire more prayer. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't even need a prayer ministry at this church because every one of us would be prayer warriors. Lord, that we would stand in the gap for our brothers and sisters, both in this room and around the world. That we would lift those needs. Lord, that we would be attentive to those moments where you would stir our hearts to pray for others. Lord, that we wouldn't let those moments slip by. God, that we would be a people of prayer. Lord, you tell us that our prayer is powerful and effective. Lord, cause us to be a powerful and effective people. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, our prayer team is coming up. And as they come up, if you have any need, whether it pertains to the message this morning or anything else, they would love to pray with you. You can also pray with each other. Otherwise, give someone a hug. Invite them to lunch. Spend some time hanging out. It's great to see you, and we look forward to seeing you next next Sunday. God bless you as you go.